Welcome back to the Young Entrepreneur's Journey with special guest, Mish Dev. Um, and a lot of times you get bumped into something that doesn't get done in the same in the time they expect. I remember sitting in front of some code for three days and I couldn't figure out what the hell is the problem. And I couldn't like, there was a, there was a problem there. There's an error it's, you know, popping up in errors and I didn't know like, how do I move to the next step? I can't, I can't do any work on the next, the other one, because it's kind of waiting for this part to be finished. Uh, this mm. has to be done. Uh, and I couldn't figure out what that error and uh, error was. And I found out like three days later, it was a missing semicolon up, Oh my god, I can't tell you how stressed. Uh, how, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you must have been so pissed off. I was I know, so I'm... pissed, that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a Yeah, I hate grammar. Welcome to the Young Entrepreneur's Journey, where we take the skills, mindset, and attitude needed to achieve any entrepreneurial endeavor, whether you're just starting out or you're already on your journey. And now, our host, Yasmina Ellens. Hello and welcome back to the Young Entrepreneur's Journey podcast with your host Yasmina Ellens and today I have the absolute pleasure of chatting with Mish Dev who is literally the definition of a serial startup entrepreneur. Like this guy knows how to pivot. He's currently pursuing a master's in entrepreneurship at Cambridge University and he's also worked entrepreneurially with corporate banks, in data science and machine learning, with hostels, in travel, in healthcare, just to name a few. And so this episode really provides deep insight into the mind of a true entrepreneur. That is someone who is always seeking the opportunity, always following demand and seeing how they can actually solve unique problems and create real value in business and society. And so more specifically, you will learn about how the entrepreneurial mindset literally primes you to overcome any challenges, why you should take risks, how to actually pivot and adapt when the world throws you a curveball like coronavirus, which in Misha's case is very interesting situation, very interesting insights on that. And then just things like how to be really good at sales, how to build a really good team. And there's so much more here. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Mish Dev. Hello and welcome back to the Young Entrepreneurs Journey podcast. And I'm so excited today to be chatting to Mish Dev. And so the first hello. question, hello, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on here. And the first it's great question, to be here. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, I, fantastic to have you. Um, the first question that I usually ask people on this podcast is what originally got you onto your entrepreneurial journey? I think it was the first thing that got me into the entrepreneurial journey was an opportunity. Like, uh, I think I have always been an, op- uh, to some degree an opportunist, um, and something, something popped up where there was an opportunity, somebody working on a different startup in the, uh, uh, and building a, a startup for the first time and been corporate environment for a while. Um, and I think there was some of that sort of, hustler kind of mentality that was there in me when I was in college and um, I was helping them sort of break down their their business from what they were looking at towards what it could be uh, and then and then it just kind of blossomed from there where you know they were like hey, we would like to have you on the team uh, and I, I said yeah why not you know I mean it seems like a good time to look for new opportunities after graduated and then they changed their mind for they were like you know what we're actually pretty good with the corporate environment but we think you should do it <laughs> yeah so uh so that kind of blossomed from there and then you know built first one and then second one and yeah kept going so and what does it mean to be uh can, i'd love to expand on that the idea of entrepreneurs entrepreneurs being opportunists what are your thoughts on that so i think the the there's a couple of things, right? Um, I'd say three different ways to look at it. One is that um, sometimes people just assume uh, that the existing challenges or problems that they face are just how it is and it's just the way that it is and, uh, and so on. Um, ne- never really like looking at, is there something to do about it or 
Um, it's challenging. It just, it is what it is sort of a thing. Uh, and then mm. we have, uh, you know, so it seems to me like we have uh, other people who look at it and think, okay, there's a, there's a, a need there. There's an issue there. Um, and, and, you know, that's a problem. Uh, you know, the, the, the economy right now is totally, uh, blanking out right now. What do we do? Uh, you know, that's, that's too bad. There's an issue right now that we see, but, uh, and then there's like a third one, which is like, okay, there's an issue. I see it. And here's a solution. And here's what we can do. Here's a way you can do something about that issue uh, and, and so on. So I think that's where like the opportunity part um, pops up. Um, you know, yeah, that's, you know, yeah. we can, we can always look at it and, uh, and find something to complain about, but at the same time, we can always say, you know what, that's a problem, but we can turn that into, um, a solution, at least try to. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's what I love about entrepreneurs is it's this solution oriented mindset instead of laboring on a problem. It's like, where's the gap? What gap can we fill? Yeah. What need can we meet? What can we create? Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot of creativity, you know, there's a lot of innovation mm -hmm. happening there because you're spotting something that others haven't typically spotted before. And you're meeting the demand of a very specific kind of customer. And, um, yeah, I'm wondering, I mean, Absolutely. I know this is a deep question for the beginning of the podcast, but while I was on this topic, so entrepreneurs seek opportunity. What else do entrepreneurs do that other people don't typically do? What What does it mean to be an entrepreneur? Uh, I think risk taking, um, willing to take risk. Mm -hmm. and 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 I'd say like the the wave the wavelength is like how willing how 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 much risk are you willing to take versus I don't want to take so much, but I see that problem I see that gap I'm willing to make that jump uh and I'd say for people who are like maybe serially you know serial entrepreneurs uh, to some degree they're willing to take that risk I think it's probably a, a, a maybe some experience with actually taking that risk and realizing it's not that hard or it's, it is that hard and I can probably do it. I can handle that. Or I know people who can and whatnot. And so I think that, 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 uh, that fearless, I don't know if it's fearless. There's still fear. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely still fear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But just that but, willingness to just go and do it. Right. I guess that hustle yeah. sort of uh, thing. Hustle mentality. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's um like you feel the fear and you do it anyway. It's um like yeah. you don't let your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts control what you do. Um, you Absolutely. just acknowledge that okay, I'm feeling this thing and it's scary and it's a risk, but I've done mm -hmm. the cost benefit analysis and no, I, I really believe in this mission. And I think that's another right. thing. It's like entrepreneurs are typically very mission oriented. It's like I have a mission, I have a path, I have a thing that I want to create, and they just go for mm -hmm. it. And I, I think that's something that is so inspiring. I'm wondering, are, are there any risks that you've taken in your entrepreneurial journey that either paid off or and something awesome happened or it led, it led to a failure and you learned something? Are there any particular risks that you've taken? Um, yeah, uh, there are. <laughs> um, there are a few. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think... Uh, I think everything has to do with the environment that you're in and, you know, recognizing what the challenges you'll face as an owner um, and building something and how you can kind of adapt to it or work with it. Cause you know that there's, there's going to be a, a challenge there. Um, and for example, uh, one of my companies, uh, my first company, I was working with a corporate environment, right. And, and, and doing, um, uh, sale, you know, uh, selling and making sure that they, they benefits of our services that we could offer them um, and look at us considering how the number of other people who can offer similar services uh, and why they would be willing to work with them and stuff like that. And so one of those challenges, of course, when you're at, at the age, when I was like 22, 23 at the time, you know, and you're starting conversation with a lot of them, um, they wouldn't even give a minute of their time to listen to a you know, somebody who's younger, uh, and, and, uh, mm. and in a startup environment and whatnot. Um, and, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't want to kind of give it any sort of attention. So in order to do that, I had to make up something. So I told them that I was 32. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no way. And, and I, I wasn't, so I was not the, the founder of the company or anything like that. I was just like, you know, I'd graduated from uh, university uh, and I'd done, I'd done well in my university and therefore they had put me into a role to be um, the uh, director for this, uh, this region and this new area that they're trying to expand to. And that's why I was here blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and so we were a pretty big team and all that stuff. So it kind of helped with the engage and the, the, the customer and stuff, because one thing that I wanted to make sure that no matter what, if I was talking to a client was making sure that we could deliver what mm. it is that we were offering them, what I was offering them. Right. And if I couldn't do that, then there was nothing to, to stand on. And, uh, you know, I, I would be kind of selling them on BS. I mean, uh, um, so it's just that I, I knew that there's a little bit of like concern from their side. Like, you know, they wouldn't want to talk to somebody who's that young too. Two, they wouldn't yeah. want to, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, give it, give it a chance. And I was like, look, I can do the services and I want to make sure that I close the deal. This is a, this is business at the end of the day, you know, I have to make sure it yeah. works. Um, so you do that and then that worked, you know, I had about 25 different uh, corporate clients, uh, within a year, um, major banks, um, HP, uh, a few, uh, other major, you know, uh, fortune ones and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so it was, uh, it, it worked out. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. I mean, it's, it's interesting how, um, the, the whole age discrimination thing, I think is really interesting because it, it's sort of a, what are your thoughts on that? Because I mean, I think it's a perception perhaps of inexperience, but at the end of the day, age is just a number and everyone has a different journey. So mm-hmm. why, why do you think that, why do you think that happens? Why do you think people have that perception that like, why do you, why did you feel like you had to say that you were 32? Um, because, well, I would say that the considering where we are right now with how technology is improving and changing yearly, I would say it used to be like every three years you'd see like a new boom and something new happening stuff. And that's become less than you know, within a year, within six months, all of a sudden some new stuff happens and, um, and, and it makes the old, you know, the thing that you had like a year ago, all of a sudden is, is old school and. Uh, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, but if you look at like maybe 10 years ago or uh, before that, um, experience was the kind of justification of how you knew this person knew what they were doing and they'll be able to kind of, uh, you know, uh, experience still speaks volumes um, in terms of making sure the quality of the work that you expect will be able to meet that expectation. Um, yeah. And and I guess that's what they've kind of, with, with years of experience, people kind of build that over time. And they look at people who are younger as unlikely to be able to do that because, you know, they just assume that we want fast, immediate uh, um, happiness and getting the sort of yeah. thing. And, and and I was like, no, that's not true for all of us, right? I mean, they, I mm-hmm. understand where they're, where they're coming from, but there are plenty of us who are much younger that will be able to deliver and make sure things are happening according to what the expectations are. Um, yeah. I wanted to make sure that we do that. So, um, 100%. so yeah. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how would you know? Gotta prove it to them, you know. We gotta prove we it gotta to prove them. Prove it to them. <laughs> Young people aren't just dopamine seekers. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We can make it happen. <laughs> exactly. How old are you right now? Yeah. Just out of curiosity. Uh, how old do you think I am? Twenty six. I'm, I'm way older. No, 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 no. I'm way older. Uh, I just turned thirty one. Thirty one. Thirty one. Yeah, I just turned thirty one right. in December. Nice. You don't yeah. look it. Yeah, I know. That's pretty I awesome. That. I, that's why I have to keep my beard. If I shave off the beard, then all of a sudden people think I'm like 18, 19. <laughs> that's so funny. I feel you, man. I feel you, man. I, I People always mistake my age. I look so young. I look like a teenager. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So kind of how did you transition from working with those corporate clients to what you're doing now? Uh, again, everything came with um, new problems or uh, opportunities. And so my first corporate company um, was delivering a service for companies and how they identify talent. And I could see the challenges that they faced. The reason I was able to deliver was because none of their their clients, their partners, uh, were able to find them what they were looking for and stuff. And so I had to kind of uh, meet that demand. Um, mm-hmm. But the what i saw there was the challenge that a lot of companies face when they're hiring the right person for their teams and stuff and what i wanted to do was build something that would be able to 
uh, let's say, uh, automate a lot of that that sector of how people identify what they're looking for by getting uh, a lot of different areas of knowledge about an individual, like a holistic perspective about a person, mm-hmm. and and uh, and and to make that uh, that that. Uh, let's say the the environment, the, the process, a lot smaller and easier, so that um, teams are built um, a lot more effectively. It's not a very clear thing, but essentially, you know, I, I was focusing on three different areas: data science, machine learning, and personality assessments. How we can collect all of that data and use that to make a more um, mm-hmm. holistic perspective about people and stuff. So I moved yeah. from what I was doing that into technology, and then I moved from technology in the meantime built a hostel. And then I moved from the hostel to, because I knew that there was a demand from that also. Yeah. Uh, and then I moved into travel for, um, for another thing. So uh, it's pretty much opportunity, uh, seeing what it is, what it's out there and seeing what I want to do and then just going for it. Yeah, you've, so. you've jumped around a bit. That's pretty cool. I mean, I'd love to touch on the stuff that you're doing. So y- you program, right? You're a programmer. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm curious, because you're talking about you're looking for working with data and collecting data on people and you're looking for automation um it's it's really interesting how nowadays more and more data is being collected about people and um i I which i think is both both exciting for the potential of things that you can do with that but also terrifying and um also just it's yeah I, i just think it's a really interesting thing and i'm also wondering sort of what are your perspectives on that having worked on that end of things, and how do you think that's going to continue to develop? Uh, so I think that um, a lot of data is out there and um, is is collected in places that we wouldn't expect it to be. Um, mm-hmm. There are third party founders. I mean, uh, third party uh, partners. You know, different companies that will collect that data and utilize it for different things. We saw what happened to Cambridge Analytica and how. Um, that data was, uh, it, it really made a, a, a impact on the world, I'd say even in a political sense, right? And mm-hmm. um, and that data was, uh, from a data science perspective, is volume of amount of data, but not very specific and detail-oriented data about an individual. So if we could get depth in terms of people, all of a sudden we know who people are sometimes even better than they are and stuff. And so I think that there's, uh, I think data privacy is really important. I, mm-hmm. I feel holistically about that. I would like that for myself. I'd like to, you know, be my own and <laughs> yeah. not, not be like a, a number in the system, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of our data is out there. Like we, we are living with these and they're right next to us all the time. And um, Fines, every yeah. different app that we get is collecting data on certain things, location data. If we have location data, it's like, okay, where are you probably at? Are you, how often are you mm-hmm. there? Why do you like being there? Blah, 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 blah. It starts to make all these um, uh, decision-making. We understand all of these things about different people and stuff. So um, that's where we're at right now. Um, mm. I don't think that we're going to be taking a step back from it, but I feel like if we have regulation in place by the government uh, to hold businesses accountable and make sure that they kind of um, prevent or, or you know they have in- encryptions on uh, some of their data, like WhatsApp is encrypted now, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope if they were to kind of like expand that to uh, um, social media as much as they can, uh, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, um, what do you what do you think is the potential of data? What can we do with it? Because I know we we could talk about the scary side of it and data privacy forever, and obviously we all think mm-hmm. that's important. But mm-hmm. what what do you think is the potential? What's the good that can be done with that? Speed. I think we can make a, a lot of we can find exactly what somebody wants much faster. We can we can yeah. find what they're looking for, what they're looking for, where, where they want to go, uh, where they like to be. Um, I would say, yeah, yeah, that level of connectivity that we have in the world is huge, right? Um, now we can have relations, you know, build relationships with people from every part of the world. And you know, like me and you right now, you know, you're you're in the UK right now. I'm here in the US. I'm in California, about eight hour difference between us and we can have yeah. full on uh, conversation 
whenever we want and um, comfortably, you know, it's, it's almost like you're in, you know, next door, like neighbors, you know, uh, yeah. it, it doesn't feel like so different anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's mine. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. I like that. What, what, what do you think that would could happen with, uh, with the data that we have right now? Like um, how we're, what direction we're going? What do I think? Oh man, you're turning the tables on me. I do not know. I'm not a data <laughs> expert to be honest. So I don't feel like, I don't feel comfortable talking on it because I don't know how much much knowledge on the topic. But I mean, I guess, you know, everything that you were saying and like the more you know about someone, the more you can serve them, the better you understand mm-hmm. a customer, the better you understand mm-hmm. the kind of person they are and the needs, the better you can customize your products and your goods and your services to that customer. So I think that could lead to a lot of increased customer satisfaction as well. Um, so th- those are my initial thoughts on it. But yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a really interesting topic. And um, also, I mean, I'm curious because you've hopped around a lot. And so you've dipped your toes in a lot of different entrepreneurial environments. I'm wondering, is that you must have learned a lot of things and done a lot of things, because especially when you're an entrepreneur, you have so many different hats on and you need to learn the, 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 the back end stuff, the front end stuff, the sales, the, the technical stuff. Like you need to learn so many different things. And I'm wondering if there's one particular skill that you learned, uh, whether it's a hard skill or a soft skill or anything, is, is there one particular skill that you learned um, that really helped move the needle? Hmm. Um, I would say when I started out, I didn't know what all of those skills were. Like uh, when I built the first company, I didn't know that, you know, there's a marketing team and what does the salespeople do and what's the difference between the two and what does HR do? And uh, you know, how important is that? Do I need to worry about that now? Um, You know, the finance part, uh, you know, so all of those things um, played a role in, and, I would say that I learned a lot of those things over over all of that time. Um, and I definitely learned the importance of having a great team of people to work with uh, and how much, mm-hmm. how important the environment is so that uh, it, it kind of um, goes well as, as you kind of progress and stuff like that. So uh, that's one part that I've definitely learned. Um, sales is uh crucial i think for every business any business to kind of uh to to grow and i you know i i think there's a lot of different areas that i'd say i still want to work on and and learn more about um effective marketing uh, i think that's Mm -hmm. really an area that i like to learn more of um finance is also uh an area that's really important to me as as a person who's like uh to some degree a a natural salesperson um i'd say that i'm better at bringing it in but also really good at spending it all (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, i feel you i feel you (laughs) so it's it's important to have that other side of the the mind you know going in there and saying hey you know we have to be a little bit more uh you know frugal about some of this stuff and maybe that's an area that we kind of uh um and and go go towards and stuff so um yeah I'd say yeah. I have I have used some of the some of the momentum that I've gotten to, for example, I got really aggressive about growing in different uh, markets. Right, I was mm-hmm. able to work with corporate environment and uh, tech companies and work with banks and stuff. And I was like, well, if I can do this here, I can do it there. Let me get into mm-hmm. oil and gas. Let me get into uh, you know food and beverage. So I had clients in food and beverage. Uh, I you know was working with um, uh, tobacco <laughs> companies and stuff. Uh, and so it was like it was getting into and oil and gas is like I was like that's tons of potential there I got into healthcare I was talking to hospitals and stuff like that that's how the first idea about um, the healthcare system and the the, the growing demand of people who are aging uh, and their need uh, for for different home care sort of services um, and and the the limit of the number of nurses that are available uh, in the existing Mm. market for that growing demand um, that kind of is how it sparked up into me. And I was like, okay, there is a problem there that needs real help uh, big time. And, uh, and so I, I moved in that direction because of that. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things to kind of pick up along the way. I'd say soft skills are a lot of things that we pick up and we don't know how valuable those soft skills are. They're just like there and they kind of make a, make a, make a, 
pull the, the the string a little bit and then but it has a huge output uh yeah definitely i mean how would you describe that so you say you're a natural salesman in your opinion what are the sort of the key factors to make someone good at sales to really know your customer to know exactly what your customer wants know what they would want uh, what they need help with, uh, and you know, whatever you can do to support them with whatever they need. It's their important is more than anything else. I mean, they're spending their time to, to give you an idea of what they need support on, what they need help on. And, um, for an entrepreneur in, in no matter what, I think, uh, we have to find a way to come up with a good way to, uh, that, that solution for them. Um, and I would say for, for great, to be great at sales, you should know your customer before you even talk to them. You should know what their problem is well before you know what the solutions are before. Uh, and maybe they'll come up with some small other snippets of what you didn't think about, but like you kind of already have it there, uh, when you're talking to them and stuff. And yeah, so those are, those are kind of good, good, uh, skills, but yeah, customers crucial. So. Yeah, for sure. It's like you kind of pre-planned exact. You're like your your ideal customer avatar, like the exact customer that you want to serve, and then the people who come to you will congregate around that avatar. And if they don't, Absolutely. then they're not right for your. They're, they're I, I think you're right. selling this better than I am. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We're both natural born salespeople. I love it. Um, what, I don't know. So I'm curious. Um, like what drives you is interesting because you've worked in a different sort of so you say you worked in banking and then you worked in oil and gas and then you built a hostel and then you're in healthcare and it's like I mean some you worked in tobacco as well so it's like some of these are seen as like not necessarily a social good but some of them are seen and, and then travel as well and some of them are seen as like there's definitely potential for social good so I'm, I'm curious about that uh so the social good part were the businesses that i started they were all because of some need that i feel in the market even the travel Mm -hmm. one isn't necessarily just because i I think people want experiential travel it's because i see a problem with the existing environment the world environment and how uh countries are looking at building walls and blocking people from different like this sort of uh, isolation uh, movement and I'm like, we, we live in a globalized world. Like everybody's traveling. The cost of traveling is so much less now. Um, Ryanair, all the other companies are, are, are doing that. Like as much as we want to have our way and our structure, um, we live in a world where people are kind of are connecting unlike ever and, and will be able to travel and live in other places much easier than they could before. So, um, so I want to, in order to meet that gap, because I think there's a little bit of fear, at least in, 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 in here in the U.S., um, of, uh, you know, we were talking about building a wall between Mexico. We're trying to get Mexico to pay for that wall, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but in order to make sure that people have a comfort zone, I've always found that that level of, it comes from areas where there's a little bit of fear that they've never seen somebody of a certain um of, of of a different culture and they don't want to uh mix just yet with them but if we find a solution where they can earn something out of it all of a sudden people will like that'll move the meter a little bit we're like okay now i don't mind if they come here as long as yeah. my business will start to kind of uh flourish they will see me i'll see them and all of a sudden no i don't hate them that i don't like that anymore and so um that was a you know, a problem solving type of, uh, movement. And, and I, the way I, I see it, I'm like, if I make it cool and fun, then people will, will, will be more welcoming to one another and then to save a revenue model from there. Um, the other one was the business side, right? There's a business side that's also more, how do I make this business grow and make, you know, earn on it. And, uh, mm. the tobacco and the other ones were, um, more the oil and gas is also more of that, right? Yeah. In terms of, what I would prefer is what I see like Tesla, what I see Elon Musk, what I see um, all the mm-hmm. other um, companies that are moving that direction. You know, I, I wish there was even sooner and I wish governments mm-hmm. would push for that. I wish there weren't subsidies for oil. Uh, yeah. The cost of oil is whatever we set it to be, wherever it's coming from. It's, we, it, it doesn't have, the earth doesn't have a number. <laughs> <laughs> that's, so. that's so true. That's so true. <laughs> so, yeah. like, it's like humans you know, decided that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, there's oil is in the earth, right? We come up with a number of what it's worth. I'm like, 
Um, but you know, when we have renewables uh, and us moving in that direction, I would like to see that happen. I would like to support that. But in the meantime, a business works in a certain way where I have to look at how we can make the most earnings and then adapt into something that will do that uh, when the right time comes. Um, mm. So I saw the oil and gas companies because um, the payout would be big. And I was like, you know, let's see what they are looking for and, uh, mm. and, and go from there. So um, two different worlds, you know. Yeah, it's, kind of <laughs> it's, it's really interesting how you manage to balance those. It's like the one like the one is like, how do I learn how to make the dollar? And then how do I apply that learning to other businesses that can have a good social impact, essentially? Big time, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so your most recent one is the travel one. And I don't know if you've had much time to think about this yet, but you, you were mentioning this just before we started this. And obviously, um, the world has changed over the past few weeks oh, um, yeah. with the, the coronavirus. And so I'm wondering how that's sort of affecting your idea for this new startup in travel that you're building and how you might potentially pivot or what you're going to do given the macro situation. Right. So the um, thing about startup world is that we have to move fast when we see an impact and we see a challenge here. Um, with the current situation, travel mm. is it is in a hard place. No matter which airline it is, oh my god, I feel bad for the airlines. Some of the airlines. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! Yeah, yeah it's tough. Uh, like, uh, at what point, like, we'll see some sort of stability in the in the market? And do that in the meantime. Of course, I, I, I big time. I care about. Um, uh about elderly people and not just in general i care about my grandma big time you know i love my grandma she's yeah. best and uh um, and i feel the same about everybody else uh that, that i see i don't like seeing people in in a hard place and um so from the from the good uh, seeing what i can do to um to 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 pivot in order to make sure i can meet that uh, issue and on the business side I know that it's not going to work from the travel industry. People are not going to be traveling. Uh, it's not going to work. So it's going to be, be a huge pivot over into mm-hmm. um, a different area altogether. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so that's what I have been um, planning for the last week and a half, two weeks, um, talking to other uh, colleagues and uh, agencies about something that I had won a, an international competition for about four years ago, five years ago. Nice. Um, in the healthcare space, and, uh, and and so that's what the plan is. Plan is uh, as much as I love Go Sky High, and I know there's a market for it. When the time is right, maybe in a year, two years, three years from now, um, I will go back to that and 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 bring that back together. Um, but for now, it's just not going to work. So I have to adapt. Um, yeah, and, uh, adapt and thrive. Adapt and thrive. I love you it. You got to do it. You know how it is. <laughs> yeah, you got to do what you got to do, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm genuinely impressed. Like the fact that you've you've had to pivot so fast, and this is like your baby, and now it's like, well, I've got to postpone the birth of this baby. That's a weird metaphor, <laughs> but anyway, um, I think I think that's really cool. And it's like again, it's like you're definitely very much an opportunity seeker. You're seeing now the demand is in healthcare, so you're like, okay. Yes, I'm pivoting to healthcare. It's like no questions asked. Um, and I think that's another cool thing. Like another interesting thing I find about entrepreneurs is they don't really think about all of the steps to get somewhere. They just make a decision. They say they're going to do something. And then they're like, oh, I don't actually know how to do that. And then they're just like, well, I'll figure it out. It's like very much like, a, <laughs> well, I'll figure it out mentality. <laughs> like, here's my crazy idea. How do I make that happen now? Mm-hmm. which I think is um, very cool. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering, so because you've, you've obviously had a lot of entrepreneurial experience and what's difficult about being an entrepreneur? I mean, I can, <laughs> we've already kind of touched on a couple of things, but what's the struggle? I'd say there's, there's, there, there are a lot of struggles being an entrepreneur. Um, there are a lot. I would say it sounds so good from the extra exterior, but I would say 90% of the time you're going through a challenge and you're facing difficulties and you know, you're just stressed and you don't have somebody to talk to and be like, Hey, what do we do here and stuff? Cause you, you know, there's, there's no boss uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that will respond. I mean, of course there is, 
Um, but, uh, but you don't have like a, a you know, in person, you know, we don't have somebody to talk to about the business. Um, and a lot of times people might not fully understand the, the industry to have a good insight on how to handle current situations stuff. So there's a lot of struggle in that area. Um, and, but the, the, the good parts of it are that when there are good times, they're huge, huge, good times. And the, the, what makes up for everything else uh when something good happens mm. uh, yeah really want. um as far as like the 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 hard part about being an entrepreneur i would say uh about that sort of drive is staying on the mission uh and mm. i have pivoted a lot uh and i would say the how do I do that? How do I do this part is usually uh, has been um, the challenge that I face for one of my companies. Future Me was one of those companies. Future Me Helper IO, uh, you know, same kind of company uh, was one of the hardest ones. Um, and that is because it requires um, to me, it requires certain people who really understand the framework of what we're trying to do there. Um, people who are experts in data science and in uh, personality assessments or in psychology, uh, um, organizational psychology and, and software and stuff. And the thing about putting your fingers in a lot of different baskets is that you know a few people in a lot of things, um, mm. but you might not know necessarily an expert in certain things because you spend yeah. so much time in so many different areas, right? Yeah. Um, and I'd say that's a, a challenge is when you see a problem and you want to solve it and you see how you want to solve it, but then you're like, okay, how do I do this? And you find out, okay, doing that is a lot harder than I thought. Uh, and, and for example, if you need a co-founder who had uh, three co-founders who have data science expertise and, uh, you know, personality and within psychology that you feel comfortable, they can deliver their part and uh, of the, of the, of the model. Um, and, and if you don't know them, then that becomes really a trouble, uh, a, a struggle because you could get started on something and it won't meet the expectations that you have. And then you'll be struggling and uh, frustrated a lot and stuff. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then you have to kind of, um, you know, move on to something that you can do. Uh, and, and moving from there. So that's, for example, that's what happened in the future me. I was like, that is a lot harder than I thought it would be. Um, and the data that I'm looking at or looking for to build, um, it doesn't exist uh, anywhere yet. Uh, and so it's going to require a lot of um, support uh, from a lot of people who are experts and stuff um, and, and building that right kind of team. Environment is so important, so mm. important. People that you can work with, that you can trust each other. I think trust is super important to me. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that you can work together with somebody that you really feel good with. Um, that's so important. So. How do you build a good team? And how, how do you manage to find the expertise and then bring it together so that it can make your project grow? Yeah, so I would say it depends on which area uh, you're getting into. Um, and how much expertise you have in that industry. Uh, my first company, the hostel and stuff, I did it. I didn't. I didn't need, uh, 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 you know, uh, team members and stuff like that. I just made it happen. Um, I, you know, I understood the expertise that, that what you needed. I was talking to other people who I connected to, um, and that had good wavelength of knowledge on how to make things happen in that industry. And then I just. Yeah. I just did it. Um, but when you get into technology, uh, you need somebody who you're working with and stuff. And I feel like that's, uh, uh, when, when I've lived in so many different areas, um, it, I think the best thing for anybody to do who is um, planning on doing this is to get to know people who are in that area that you can work with uh, mm -hmm. that fill up the gap of what you, you don't want a second you. Yeah. You want somebody else who's who meets the the other part that you don't you know that you're totally. not strong in and stuff. So um, that's the best way to I think. Uh, yeah, and I think education. If you're working with somebody, that's a great way, right? You're working mm -hmm. together with somebody, or if you're studying with somebody and you see that that, that would uh, you know, and you make friends over there, and that seems to make the best sense. 
Um, I think it's a bit risky to go to um, conferences and meet people there and exchange contact information and then say, hey, let's meet for coffee and talk about business and see if this could be good work. Um, you don't know that full, you know, is this going to be a good environment? You know, you're meeting somebody in a professional area. Um, you might find after you really get to know and spend more time with them that they're a little bit different than what you expect in the corporate world, you know, in the, in that first conversation and stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. That's an interesting point, actually. It's, um, it's kind of like an interviewing process. You know, I've, I've, heard, yeah. I've heard a lot of people say this, you know, finding a co-founder is almost like the search for a spouse. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> you, need, you need to really know the person and you really need to trust the person. And mm -hmm. if it's someone that you've just met, there is so much potential for problems down the line because you probably don't have the full picture. Um, that's actually a really interesting point. And then also, yeah, your co-founder should definitely be your opposite. It's like, there's, there's no yeah. point in bringing on someone who can do exactly what you can already do. Cause then it's like, For okay, sure. but we're still not filling the gap here. Um, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Totally, 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 totally. Um, so that's been my challenge is that, is that I would say, uh, I am very, very picky. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to, uh, um, they, <laughs> I'm looking for a spouse. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very, very picky. And so, you know, that because <laughs> when I'm looking for somebody yeah. to work with, to have to meet like a, uh, that makes two of us. caliber. And <laughs> that makes two of us. Bad. Yeah. I think that's a good thing though. I think that's a good thing though, because that, that makes sure that you have the right person and you really need the right person to make the company grow and to make it be a good environment and a good experience as well. You, you want it to be fun and playful as well. You don't want it to just be like, Oh, work, business. Yeah, startup. Like you want it to be, you want it to be the right fit. You know, you want there to be good synergies as well. Yeah. So you're, you're talking um, about um, studying, which I think is an interesting one because you're doing the master's in entrepreneurship mm -hmm. at Cambridge University. That's how we met. That's and right. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm wondering how does this, academic lens how does the academic side of what you're learning there with Cambridge um or just the whole experience of being on that master's in entrepreneurship shape your views in entrepreneurship and shape what you might be doing in the future what you're doing now and what you might be doing I I feel like I there's so much expertise there's so much talent uh the talent pool is like so uh, it's, it's really interesting over there, um, being in that environment. Uh, and you know, when I first got into what I was studying, I wasn't a hundred percent sure what I would be able to learn, um, that would fill up that knowledge that, you know, of being an entrepreneur. Um, and I found when we were doing all the readings and, and things like that, I, I realized that there were so many different things that I didn't think about so many unknown unknowns, uh, and that kind of like opened my eyes a lot of things that it made a very clear picture um, mm. uh, about uh, how to build a, a company effectively uh, no matter the industry that you're in and stuff and what what to look out for what to do right and stuff um, there's no way to teach somebody like how what's the best uh, idea to come up with uh, or or mm. here's a here's a good uh, you know that that's I, I think that's <laughs> not for anybody to create uh, that's a, a creative thing that comes out of everyone um, but if mm. you do come up with an idea of what you want to do uh, you need a good framework on how to do it right and yeah. I think that was super uh, uh, that's great so I'm very happy with that um, and the people that I've been able to meet I've been able to meet you and I'm so happy that I got to you know I mean that yeah. met here in the uh, entrepreneur uh, events and um, you know everybody's working on different areas and um, it's, it's it's so many it's like it's it's almost like interesting worlds that are colliding yeah. and you know connecting and stuff and I, I really like that so um, mm. super happy to be here I mean to be there in there. the UK <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 it's uh it's like a it's, it's it's a funny thing when you take a whole bunch of smart people with an entrepreneurial streak and put them in a room together it's like magic happens like some weird kind of voodoo happens that you just can't quite explain you know um so i think that, that's quite interesting but also I'm, I'm wondering more on like the personal side for you so you know there's the entrepreneurship side and there's the business side but like as an entrepreneur you need to be able to manage yourself quite well as well 
So I'm wondering, do you have any particular habits or mindsets or rituals that you know really keep you sharp? Um, I like to drive fast. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell from the way you pivot from one thing to another. <laughs> I didn't see that one. <laughs> that <was> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You like fast cars. Physically, yeah, I do like the fast cars. And mm-hmm. I like to go into the mountains and stuff um, in the day and just go through corners. And um, I really so cool. like that. Yeah. Uh, and I I like to, I'm a night, I'm a night owl type of person. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, it's weird. Like, I'm so weird sometimes. Um, <laughs> I think all entrepreneurs are weird in some I think way. We're all, I think we are. <laughs> it's we very are, weird we are people to be entrepreneurs. <laughs> you know what? You know what I thought was really funny is like for a very long time, I was like, you know, well, like people like us would be like so many of us. Like it's like all of us are kind of entrepreneurial and we have entrepreneurial mm-hmm. minds and whatnot. We're all just just like everybody else. Um, mm-hmm. And then the, the more and more the older I get, the more people are like, no, there's nobody like you're very like everybody. <laughs> yeah, <we're> different. <laughs> we're different. Yeah, we have different sort of uh, minds yeah. and brains and how our work, brains work and stuff. Our brains are weird. Okay, <laughs> I love brains. <laughs> They're weird and beautiful. Weird and beautiful, and and mm-hmm. very unique. Everybody's brain is so unique, and I, I love that. Um, so, yeah, what do I do for fun? Uh, I like to go out. Uh, I like to party. You like to party? I like to dance. I like to dance. Nice. Yeah, I'm uh, a dancer. Uh, I, I dance. Um, I like to party. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like to cook. Uh, yeah, Duck. big time. And yeah, so I make a lot of different kinds of things. Um, just fusion of a lot of things. I put like Chinese with Mexican into you know uh, into uh, different type of food like Italian. It could be um yeah like i made uh i made something that was that has like uh oh, it's a long story it's another another thing for another story um <laughs> but yeah i'd like to make different kinds of food yeah <laughs> yeah that's dope yeah that's that sounds amazing like it's such a shame that this whole coronavirus is now stranded on different sides of the world we never got to dance together bro um, anyway we can have a little podcast dance right now for I don't think that's going to be fun for no. <laughs> it's not going to be fun for audio <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm also wondering when sort of like how do you manage your time? Um, I am not the best at managing mm-hmm. my time the best way. I'd say that my uh, I am, I, I fix, I, I put water on fire basically. I'm like, Oh shit, this needs something. I need to take care of this now. This is the yeah. first thing I need to be taken care of. Need to do that. Need to do this. Need to do that. Um, and, uh, and, and I'm sure that in the, in the, in the corporate environments, for example, you really have a very clear structure that, 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 mm-hmm. that you know, and, and, and I like that, uh, uh the, the scheduling, uh, you know, uh, time, you know, time management is super important for any mm. any company um and uh you know i try to do it the best that i can um it's just that when you're getting into a lot of different new areas then so many things to learn and you don't know how much you don't know and like, yeah so yeah uh, I, it's I feel interesting. You. so it's, yeah. it's a very last minute kind of approach you know what this gives this gives us hope because if someone could do as many dope things that you've already done without good time management strategies it's like yeah anyone can do it <laughs> anyone yes, can do you it can. yes you can i think that's one of yeah. the things that i almost live for i want to be able to prove it to everybody else that they can also do it they have the opportunity they can make sure that they have uh that as long as they make um as long as they work hard and smart and effective and what they're trying to do they can accomplish their dreams and stuff um, yeah and it's possible anything is possible Anything is possible. I totally relate to that. We're definitely aligned on that. Is um, yeah, you yeah. know, there, there's oh, yeah. so much opportunity. The world is full of opportunity, and there's so many things that you can do. You just need to push through that fear and take a few risks, and be willing to fail miserably as well. You definitely be, need to be willing to fail. Have you have you had any particular failures where 
you fail, but then you learn something important from it. Yeah. Um, I team management was one of the things that I learned, uh, that I had to do. Uh, so I had a team of about 35 people, um, company. And, and the thing is that, uh, you know, I had given people certain roles and what they were doing and I was expecting certain things. And, you know, I went through like a couple of months, few months of like no new sales coming in my biggest sales. So I was doing pretty much all the sales. And then uh, the other person who managed to do some of the sales was my intern who I hired big time, uh, full time uh, after. Mm -hmm. uh, and she was awesome and she got things done over there. But um, some other people that uh, didn't kind of make much movement on the sales area that I hired that had a lot of experience, you know, like 12 years of experience. Um, and I was expecting them, you know, for example, in the oil and gas area that they would be able to, you know, open contracts and stuff, but I had to close them, you know what I mean? So uh, it's like, yeah, there's certain expectations that you kind of um, have to do. So t team management is really good, uh, making sure that people um, do the best work that they have um and 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 yeah and some some level of accountability um i guess the other area that i uh um think that i failed and learned from is is what happened to future me like that's way too complex uh way too early on you know um i think somebody mm -hmm. was saying that uh you can't try to you know if if you want to be like elon you know you can't start off by building spacex you got to start off with uh, x.com or, you know, and yeah, getting, yeah. <laughs> getting into sure. PayPal, you know, and then, and then you can go to the next step and stuff. So, yeah, um, I think it's important to be realistic on what you can do. Yeah, definitely. It's um like you solve a small problem and then you solve a slightly bigger problem and then a slightly bigger one and a slightly bigger one. I feel like we just go up the ladder of problems as yeah. you get more experience. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes, 100%, 100%. Um, the problem ladder. So you know, I'm going to I'm going to copyright that phrase. Yasmina <laughs> came up with the like we're going to we're going to make this official now. Like Yasmina came up with the concept of the entrepreneurial problem ladder. Um, yeah. and it's going to be taught in academia. Um, <laughs> I think so. I think so. I hope so. 100%. I hope so. <laughs> um I, I do have another question that I'm curious to have your thoughts on. Okay. Uh, how do you build good business systems? um what, what do you mean by business systems i don't know because in in a business when a startup mm -hmm. you need some kind of a system for getting things done and you need some kind of a system to sort of allocate your tasks and with team members as well and for strategy as well so i'm curious to hear your thoughts on that yeah so i think it have to be very clear on uh you know uh, if you have, let's say if you have Asana or if you, um, you have to have a certain method on how you're going to be, um, ho holding all of your tasks and who will be able to deliver, um, and what time frame they'll be able to set it to. It depends on who you're working with, I think. And, um, and for, for like, it's, there's some level of transparency and honesty with what they'll be able to do. Um, and making sure that they know that I mean, they come up with the exact time that they'll be able to deliver their task. Uh, and then holding them accountable for uh, to meeting that sort of uh, that. So uh, if you're in tech sector, then, you know, all of that is going to be, let's say, for example, you're building a website for um, e-commerce and stuff, right? You're going to start off mm -hmm. with, you know, login registration, making sure that people have that. Then you need to make sure that you have a, 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 a first, you have, to, you have to sort of design what you want in the, the thing to do. Then you have to think about the whole back end, you know, what the database is going to be looking like and how that's going to work. And then you have to fill up the whole uh, server and how that is going to connect to that and it's going to connect to the database. That's going to mm -hmm. come back on um, the entire circle and stuff like that. And when each part of it, how important each part is um, and when to do that uh, and, and who's going to be doing that and how. Um, and a lot of times you get bumped into something that doesn't get done in the, same, in the time they expect. I remember sitting in front of some code for three days and I couldn't figure out what the hell is the problem. And I couldn't like, there was a, there was a problem there. There's an error it's, you know, popping up with errors. And I didn't know, like, how do I move to the next step? I can't, I can't do any work on the next, the other one, because it's kind of waiting for this part to be finished. Uh, this mm. has to be done. 
and I couldn't figure out what that error and uh, error was. And I found out like three days later, it was a missing semicolon. Up, oh, no missing way. semicolon. I was like, oh, this is so oh. frustrating. Was like, oh. <laughs> oh my god, I can't tell you how stressed. Uh, uh, how, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You must have been so pissed off. I was I know so I'm... pissed. That's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a bloody something going on. <laughs> yeah. I hate grammar. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah. That's interesting. So, yeah. That's interesting. Um but yeah, like uh I so everything I learned, like I learned it uh in in the in order to do fill up that part. Like for example, I went to a data science boot camp to learn about machine learning see what AI and how, how it works, how does, they, how does the whole thing function so that I know what to expect, how complex it is and stuff. And I realize it's not the most complex. Uh, unstructured is obviously a little bit different, um, you know. Mm. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, but um, I took a, 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 a programming bootcamp in order to, um, to do that as well. And I did that a couple of years ago. And so like, there's a lot of things mm. that you kind of learn there, you learn here. Um, and apply that towards the next step. Um, and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think machine a, learning is so easy. It's just like a walk yeah. in the park, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. I, um, hard to be good yes, at it. That's for sure. Hmm? It's hard to be good. It's hard to be really yeah, good for at sure. it. Um, for sure. Um, it's, uh, it's funny cause like you, you learn things and especially like given your sort of career path, I'd imagine is that you kind of work on your craft and you pick up these different things and you learn different parts of how the world works. And then you just have your skill set. And then when you want to stop with something and start something else, you're like, well, I've got my skill set. I guess I will just take my skill set elsewhere. It seems like you've just done that a few times. I, mm, I, I didn't necessarily, um, see how to apply the skill set towards something new. It was just kind of mm-hmm. like, there's a problem there and I can, oh, I know that and I know how to do that. And like, I, I just kind of applied it, mm-hmm. applied it without sometimes, without even thinking it, um, how to do it and stuff. Uh, it was just, yeah. is it possible? What are the challenges with it? Um, what do I face with that? Who do I need to, to, to implement that and stuff like that? So, um, yeah, so, I think it almost becomes like a natural thing, I guess. Like, a, um, yeah. You know, like I, I think our our brains are like uh, icebergs, right? We have big icebergs, and like we just see the top of it. And like, how does it work? Okay, that's how it works and stuff. But like, there's so much going on uh, underneath, and um, and and it plays a role in a lot of things. So yeah, for uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all about the opportunity mindset. Yeah. <laughs> so, I guess my final question for you is: What are the three key truth bombs? that you would drop on an on- a young entrepreneur about the entrepreneurial journey today? I would say one thing is be okay with uh, taking risks and falling, try to fall, sh- sh- uh, you know, early. Try to make mistakes early. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, try to make big mistakes early without too much in that area, I'm investing too much into it um as much as you can i mean learn learn as much as you can i'd say mm-hmm. uh you know and i, I think that that's a, a really important factor um meet and learn a lot from other people try to understand the 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 picture of uh what business is like um and i would say focus on the problem and and focus on building something for that uh, as much as you can. These aren't the best sort of. I'd say, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd say the, the no pressure doesn't have doesn't have to be the be all end all of like this is gospel and it's written. <laughs> <laughs> Take risks, make it happen. Yeah. That's what I'd say. I'd say get out there and make Take it risks. happen. Talk to customers. Make sure your customers really know what they need. Uh, make sure you really know what your customers are going to need. Make sure that there's a real demand for it um and and make it happen and put everything you can into it go all the way the best way that you can and 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 do it all the way to the end fight to the end <laughs> i love it i love it. We'll, we'll get our swords we'll get our armor we're here with our spears we're so ready um love it mish 
Uh, do you have at this point do you have anything that you'd like to plug to people or you know where can people find you anything uh, yeah. that's cooking right now so uh you can find me on insta um uh you can find me on uh, uh insta instagram uh mysterious 27 over there um i would uh maybe this would be yeah um so i'm right now working on something for uh for the healthcare system um and i can do uh, another day maybe talk about what what what's all what, what it's all about and i feel like there is a demand right now in the market for people who want to stay for people who need to stay at home and make sure that we can um and uh, we can offer them services so that they don't have to meet with people during a time like this there's sort of a, a mm -hmm. crisis but even otherwise uh i want to um as we're growing i want to make sure that we have uh, the same thing like the shared economy playing a role in how we can provide services for uh, a lot of people so they don't have to go into um, nursing homes and stuff so it's elderly care that i'm focusing on um it's called helper uh i've worked on this too uh before um and i'm looking for the right people to work with uh on something like this and um i think this is something uh that we are going to need a lot of uh, support on for the next um, 10 years, more than that. Uh, and, you know, um, so it, it's not just in America that we need that silver file from the UK. We need uh, this to kind of grow um, in a lot of different areas. So uh, please plug in. Uh, and as we grow and build our website and we have everything out there, um, it'll be on Helper. Um, yeah. It should be on .io and then we'll change that. So, uh, yeah. yeah. That's so That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, it's so relevant. And I think it's so important, especially given our current climate. I do have to say, though, I'm really, really disappointed that you're not going into the toilet paper business. But, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's full. They're, they've got plenty of people already on there. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. But honestly, that's so dope, Mish. Um, it's been an yeah. absolute pleasure chatting with you. And, it's always um, been a pleasure talking, speaking with you and meeting with you. Sure. Uh, in the UK, I love that we've met at, at these environments and stuff and the people that we uh, get to know and get to spend time with and stuff. So I'm um, so happy to be welcomed into this and uh, great speaking with you as always. Awesome. I can't wait to hit you up in San Fran. Come through. Hit me up. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode of the Young Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Again, thank you so much, Mish, for taking the time to have this chat with us, especially like your insights on how to pivot and how to adapt and how to change and like, like it's no big deal. Oh, it's just, it's just the thing that I do is pretty amazing. And your insight on that is extremely valuable. So thank you so much. Definitely go check out Mish, check out his stuff. And if you gained anything out of this episode whatsoever, I highly recommend that you just go share it with a friend. Word of mouth really is everything. Pop it on your Instagram story, tag me at YasminaRTE and I'll repost you. Put your biggest takeaway. Do it on the Facebook, the socials, whatever gitsy, gadgy social media thing is trendy today. I really, I'm an old crone, so I can't keep up with the times on that. But yeah, sharing around good information is the best way to help your friends win. What would also massively help us out is if you could leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes, that would be amazing. Just, just to bump up the rankings because algorithms have a certain way of doing things. That would be really, really helpful. And of course, if you'd like to connect with me, know more about me or follow me, you can find me on Instagram at YasminaRTE. Do you ever feel like you put on a front to the world? I did an episode for this podcast with my friend Will Nedder a while back called How to Hack Yourself and Live Life to the Fullest. And we were talking all about how many, many people bottle up their emotions. They mask their true feelings and their true selves with a fake smile. Firstly, because going through hard times is not something that people typically want to hear about. And secondly, because they're afraid to show the world their true colors. One thing that I really love is that Will likes to ask people, how are you really doing? Not how are you doing, but how are you really doing? Because that then gives them permission to open up, unburden, and be unashamedly themselves and feel lighter and more liberated in the aftermath. And one day Will himself was actually going through a tough time and he confessed to the person he was speaking to in that moment, I'm just low-key emotional. I just put on a front all the time. To which the immediate reply was, you should totally put that on a t-shirt. And boom, the low-key emotional streetwear brand was born. 
Will's passion for his brand truly oozes through in everything he does, and he essentially created this as a call to authenticity. A lot of us put on a front for the world of how we want the world to think about us instead of who we really are. We hide these parts of ourselves from others out of a fear that we will be judged negatively by others or that we won't be accepted for the person that we really are. So I want to ask you, what's your front? At the end of the day, the low-key emotional brand is all about facing your truth. So if you want to wear clothes like a hoodie, a cap, a bikini that actually stand for something real and keep your hustle low-key, I have an exclusive offer just for you as my podcast listener. With me, you get a 10% discount using the discount code YAS10. That's Y-A-S-10 at the checkout at lowkeyemotional.com. All of the links and the details are in the show notes. I gotta say, I have the hoodie myself. It's extremely comfortable. It looks incredibly hip. I love wearing it. And so if you're one of the cool kids, this is most definitely for you. Again, you can get a 10% discount using the discount code YAS10. That's Y-A-S-10 at the checkout at lowkeyemotional.com. And you too will be rocking the street look in no time. Again, all of the details are in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Young Entrepreneur's Journey. This episode is recorded in London by Yasmina Ellens. The music for the show as well as the editing is done by Jake Babineau. If you've gotten anything out of this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend or liking it in the iTunes store. These things help more than anything else in reaching a broader audience and in turn will lead to better episodes for you to listen to. Thanks again and we'll see you in the next episode.